Natural MD Radio, your place to hear the whole truth on health and medicine for women and children and get the tools you need to take back your health naturally starting now. I'm Dr. Aviva Ram. After three miscarriages in her fourth pregnancy, Tara was finally in her third trimester so excited and even surprised to have gone that far with a healthy pregnancy to find herself going into labor six weeks early. Thankfully, her beautiful baby Micah, though premature, did not need any special medical care, just had to stay in the hospital a little bit longer. And Tara was greatly relieved until she realized that she wasn't producing breast milk enough to feed her baby and help her baby grow. So even with the help of several lactation consultants, both in the hospital and after, she just couldn't get the milk going and finally gave the baby formula. And this was really depressing for her because she so had her heart set on breastfeeding, but she was still really grateful and just decided to push on. But then she really started feeling significant depression. And this was new for her. She'd never had depression before. And furthermore, rather than losing her baby weight, she was actually gaining weight. At six months postpartum, Tara finally got a proper diagnosis. She had Hashimoto's thyroiditis. She was started on thyroid hormone medication, and it was like someone turned the lights on for her. And when she came to me, it was because she was ready to have another baby, wanted to optimize her health, and did not want to go through that suffering ever again. You know, hindsight is twenty twenty, and the reality is we don't know for sure what led to Tara's three miscarriages, the preterm labor, the difficulty breastfeeding, depression that she'd never had in the past, and weight gain. But what we do know is that all of those symptoms and conditions are and can be due to Hashimoto's or non-autoimmune hypothyroidism. There's two different kinds of hypothyroidism, Hashimoto's, the autoimmune kind, and the non-autoimmune kind where you don't have elevated antibodies. But either one of those can cause all of those symptoms and problems. Now, the problem with conventional medicine is that we get very fixed on one way to do things. And historically, the way to do things has been to check the thyroid hormone level. Well, it's not a hormone, but the thyroid stimulating hormone, TSH, during the first trimester. If it's normal, we leave it alone and we never revisit it. We don't check any of the other thyroid hormones, T3 and T4, and we don't typically routinely check thyroid antibodies. However, studies have shown that when thyroid screening is done only on women who are high risk, which is sometimes the case, some people don't even routinely check TSH in pregnancy, we miss actually 55% of women with thyroid abnormalities during pregnancy. And this is really significant because not only can you experience the problems that Tara experienced, you can experience prenatal depression and frighteningly, thyroid problems in mom have been shown to translate into cognitive and motor development problems in the baby and women with severe hypothyroidism during pregnancy, which thankfully is more rare, have been shown to have four times the risk of having a baby who develops autism later. So there's controversy in the obstetrics world 
and endocrinology world where one camp basically thinks that all pregnant women should be routinely tested for thyroid problems, ideally in the first trimester, the end of the first trimester, or sometime in pregnancy as soon as they come in for prenatal care. And some think that you should only test TSH or not test at all. I personally fall into the camp of all pregnant women should be routinely tested for not only TSH, but the whole panel of TSH, free T3, free T4, anti-TPO antibodies, and anti-TG antibodies, because this has been shown to be the most effective strategy, not only for detecting early thyroid problems, but turning them around often completely. So there's no risk for mom having worsening Hashimoto's or worsening thyroid problems during pregnancy. The risk to baby is mitigated and mom doesn't have the risks of developing all these problems that my patient Tara had after her first baby was born. Also, whenever I am working with a woman who has had a history of miscarriage, even if she's had one miscarriage, I check her thyroid hormone panel and her TSH and antibodies. And anytime I have a woman who has struggled with fertility problems, postpartum depression, etc., I check a full panel. Now, for those of you who follow me regularly and know my work and know that I have a 30 plus year history of being an herbalist, midwife, and fairly maverick doctor who spends her time encouraging people not to get over-tested and over-treatment, it's significant when I say that something is being under-tested and under-treated. And this is a huge problem causing so much silent suffering for women, pregnant women and non-pregnant women alike. And we know that we're facing an epidemic of both endocrine or hormone problems, thyroid being a hormone uh, producing organ, and autoimmune problems. And we know that Hashimoto's is an autoimmune disease. Statistically, right now, one in eight women can be expected to develop a thyroid problem, and the most common thyroid problem is Hashimoto's in her lifetime. So it's not surprising that these numbers would be going up during pregnancy, and much like in non-pregnant women, it is an under-detected problem. Outside of pregnancy, it's expected that 50% more people than we know who we know have Hashimoto's or a thyroid problem are walking around with a thyroid problem completely undetected. We know that probably 15 to 30% of people who are being treated, for example, for depression actually have an undetected thyroid problem and they're being treated with an antidepressant when they actually need to be treated for their thyroid problem. And this is especially important during pregnancy because during pregnancy, our metabolism increases because we're not only just supporting our body and our life, we're now growing a baby, which requires an incredible increase on our metabolic demand, on our demand for burning energy, storing energy, on the cognitive growth and health of the baby, on the motor development and health of the baby. The demands from baby on mom's body put extra demands on the thyroid, which is also really important to know if you already know that you have a thyroid problem because pregnant women need to increase their thyroid medication by as much as 30 to 50% just because of the fact of getting pregnant. So this is something that your midwife family doctor or OB, whoever's helping you with your prenatal and pregnancy care 
should be telling you and working with you on. Definitely don't just do it on your own. You want somebody who can measure levels because you don't want to get over-treated during pregnancy, but you also don't want to be under-treated. Now, again, those of you who know me well know that I am really keen on getting people to live as pharma-free a life as possible, right? No medications if possible or the least possible that we could we can be healthy on. And especially during pregnancy, I'm so conservative about, I mean, I don't even give a lot of herbs and supplements during pregnancy because it's a time we just don't know what the impact of these are for a lot of them on developing baby. But with thyroid hormone, it's so important if you need it to get on it. So how do you know you need it? Well, the first thing is to get appropriate testing during pregnancy. And ideally, the TSH is really between about 1.5 and 2.5. And we know that for fertility treatments, for example, for IVF, having your TSH in that range and not above 2.5 can really optimize your IVF um, success chances. We know that women who have a TSH in that range and who don't have elevated thyroid antibodies have a much less likely chance of miscarrying than someone who has a higher TSH with or without the thyroid antibodies. And certainly higher TSH plus the antibodies increases overall risk of miscarriage. Not only that, but preterm birth like Tara experienced, gestational high blood pressure or what's called gestational hypertension or pregnancy-induced hypertension, preeclampsia, postpartum hemorrhage. It even increases the risk of a cesarean section. So there are a lot of reasons that we should be testing pregnant mamas and treating pregnant mamas. And if you do test positive in the pregnancy at all, it's really important to get the right treatment and the, the right follow-up testing. Okay, so what is the right testing and what is the right treatment? So first of all, there's a phenomenon by which TSH, the chemical that's being produced by the pituitary to tell the thyroid to produce thyroid hormone, that, that molecule of TSH looks a lot like HCG the hormone that's produced early in pregnancy and that we actually test for when we do a pregnancy test. So in early pregnancy, you can have falsely low TSH. So that's important to keep in mind. So it's really best to check ideally before you get pregnant. And if you haven't checked before you get pregnant, um, if you check when you do get pregnant, check again uh, in the end of the first trimester if there's any uncertainty about whether the numbers are accurate. What you want to have tested is your TSH, free T3, free T4, and your antithyroid antibodies, the TPO, and antithyroglobulin, or anti-TG. If TSH is elevated really above 2.5 and certainly above 4, that is an indication for starting thyroid hormone medication during pregnancy. And if your free T3 or free T4 are low, that may also be an indication to start. If the TPO or the antithyroglobulin are elevated, but the TSH, free T3 and free T4 are normal, it doesn't necessarily mean you need to start thyroid hormone medication during pregnancy. It means you need to trend the thyroid antibodies and treat for the elevated antibodies. And I'll tell you how to do that in just a minute. And you want to trend those other thyroid labs. How often do you trend? Anywhere from every four weeks 
to once a trimester, depending on how high those numbers are or how low those numbers are. If they're more out of range, you want to trend more often. Now, if your TSH is high, that tells you that your thyroid function is low. If your free T3 and free T4 are low, that tells you that also your thyroid is not producing enough antibody. In any of those cases, it is probably appropriate to start thyroid hormone medication. Again, working with your midwife or your OB or family doctor or an endocrinologist who specializes in thyroid and pregnancy to get onto a thyroid hormone supplement. If I'm starting someone for the first time on thyroid hormone in pregnancy, I usually start with levothyroxine and I'll often use Synthroid, which is one of the brand names for it, because most midwives and doctors are very familiar with how to adjust that medication. They're not as familiar with some of the other forms of medication like Naturethroid or WP Thyroid because they're not, they don't use those as much. Also, because it is such a standard medication, even if there were to be a shortage, let's say from the company that makes Synthroid, which is a brand name, you could still get another brand name, or you could get the generic. Whereas with some of these specialty companies, like right now, there's a major shortage of Naturethroid and WP. And so, for example, I have a pregnant patient and we're having to stockpile from different pharmacies to get her enough because she's been on this medication. So she stayed on it during pregnancy. So if my grandmother always said, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. If you're already on Synthroid or another levothyroxine and it's working well for you, stay on it but work with your primary provider to adjust that dose up 30 to 50% as needed and as appropriate, and then trend your labs based on that every four weeks to every trimester. If you're already on one of the other more alternative thyroid medications and there's a shortage right now and you can't get it, it's really important to stay on some thyroid medication so you can get an equivalent formulated for you by a compounding pharmacy Or you can work with your provider, your midwife, or your MD, family doctor, or other who's capable of making adjustments, you know, legally capable of making adjustments to your medication to get onto a different standard medication. But it's really important to try to keep your dose and your levels as consistent as possible. Now, if you are already on one of those other medications and there's no shortage, no problem, and you don't want to switch, that's totally fine as long as you're blood levels of TSH, your thyroid hormones, et cetera, are are within a healthy range. If you get tested and only the antibodies are positive, your TSH, your free T3, your free T4 are totally normal and normal according to that upper range of TSH being 2.5, the free T3 and the free T4 are pretty standard to the um, measurements I give in other articles on my website and in other podcasts and certainly in my book, the adrenal thyroid revolution. This is a pretty standard free T3, free T4 for pregnancy. But if your TPO or your antithyroglobulin are elevated, so you have positive antibodies, you have Hashimoto's, then it's really important to treat directly for those. And there are some great supplements that not only are considered safe during pregnancy, but are even conventionally scientifically proven to be beneficial and recommended during pregnancy. And you can take these with your thyroid medication if you go on to thyroid medication 
Or if you're not needing to go on thyroid medication, but the antibodies are elevated, you take these by themselves. So these three are selenium, which is a mineral, myo-inositol, which is also a natural supplement, and vitamin D. So let me break those down for you. Selenium has been shown to reduce TPO antibodies and slow or stop the development of Hashimoto's. It's safe for pregnant women, and the dose is 200 micrograms a day. Now, you will read on the internet, you will even hear things that I've said on the internet, and you will read in blogs, etc., that taking Brazil nuts or supplementing your diet with selenium is adequate. It's definitely not. You want to supplement with selenium, the mineral, as a supplement, you know, like a pill, during pregnancy because you really want to make sure you're getting the right amount. Brazil nuts have an incredibly variable amount of selenium. So you can have 100 milligrams in a Brazil nut or you could have 400 milligrams in a Brazil nut. So if you took two Brazil nuts that had really high selenium concentration, you'd actually be getting four times the dose that you're supposed to get because 200 micrograms really is the maximum dose a day. But if you were relying on Brazil nuts and they were low concentration, then you wouldn't be getting enough. There's no way to know. You can't test every Brazil nut. So if you like eating Brazil nuts now and again, have a Brazil nut here or there, but don't think of that as your supplement. Similarly, mushrooms, chicken, eggs, turkey, lamb, cod, and halibut are also all rich sources of selenium. It's okay to get those in your diet, but supplement selenium to take care of your elevated thyroid antibodies. You want to be careful because some prenatal vitamins and some other nutrient supplements will have selenium in it. And you really want to stop at that 200 micrograms. So supplement to a total. If there's 50 in your multi in your prenatal vitamin, get 150 in a, in a supplement, for example. So just watch that max dose. Now, research has also recently come out showing that taking selenium with myo-inositol has a remarkably powerful effect on restoring TSH to a healthy range, reducing both TPO and antithyroglobulin antibodies, and enhancing the production of free T3 and free T4. So again, proven safe during pregnancy, um, myo-inositol and inositol have actually been used in pregnancy to, uh, studies are, are ongoing on the uh, benefits of it for gestational diabetes. So it's been well studied in pregnancy. And the combination is sort of like the you know dynamic duo. And I recommend starting them as soon as you know your antibodies are high and staying on them either indefinitely or until those antibodies are within normal range and you're at least six months postpartum. So don't go off it. Even if your antibodies get to a close to normal range and you're a month postpartum, stay on it for at least six months because postpartum thyroid problems can crop up really anytime in that first year after. So to keep that extra protection on, stay on it. Now, studies have shown that vitamin D levels are lower in people with hypothyroidism. Your body needs vitamin D to produce and use thyroid hormones, and vitamin D is a really important modulator of your immune system. And remember, Hashimoto's is an autoimmune disease. And vitamin D has a lot of other benefits too. I mean, it benefits your bones, your mood, your energy, and it's really important to have optimal levels both during and when you're not pregnant. Interestingly, a fact that I just learned recently is that if you come off of birth control pills, your vitamin D levels are likely to plummet. In fact, women who have just come off of birth control pills have 20% less lower vitamin D levels, particularly if they were on a pill with estrogen, 
than women who haven't been on the pill. So if you come off the pill and then are planning to conceive right away, it's also really important to know what your vitamin D level is because vitamin D is so important for healthy pregnancy. So get your vitamin D level tested so that you can know how much to supplement. And you know, if you are someone who has had Hashimoto's or hypothyroidism and you can't seem to get a handle on it, even with taking thyroid hormone medication, it may be because your vitamin D is like a hidden culprit in the inability of your body to regulate your thyroid function. So taking vitamin D has been shown to reverse hypothyroidism. So low vitamin D may cause hypothyroidism. Taking vitamin D may reverse hypothyroidism. And you really need it during pregnancy anyway. So for most of us, it's safe to just routinely supplement about 2,000 to 4,000 units a day. But to really target getting yourself into the optimal blood range, which is 50 to 80, it's ideal to get your vitamin D level checked. You want to get your 25 hydroxy vitamin D checked. And then your practitioner can work with you to supplement to the optimal dosage range. So you might need four or 5,000 units a day for three months, for example, to get to that optimal dosage range. But if you're already pretty close to normal, 5,000 would be too much for you. So get your 25-hydroxy-D checked and then supplement with vitamin D3 at an appropriate level. If for some reason you can't get checked, then take somewhere between 2,000 and 4,000 units of vitamin D a day and stay on that after baby's born too. Interestingly, taking 4,000 to 6,000 units a day of vitamin D if you're breastfeeding, also helps your body pass on vitamin D to the babies to the extent that if you take 6,000 units a day while you're breastfeeding, you can actually not give the baby the recommended supplemental vitamin D. So that's kind of cool too. Okay. So another important thing that I really, really want you to take away from this podcast is that it takes a certain level of empowerment to say to your midwife, say to your doctor, say to your care provider for pregnancy, I really need these levels checked because I want to optimize my pregnancy health. Or if you've had miscarriages and you want to do this before you get pregnant again, or if you're struggling with fertility, or you've had postpartum depression in the past, or difficulty producing breast milk in the past, or preterm labor, or prenatal hypertension, any of these reasons that could be connected to thyroid, you're not only advocating for yourself, you're advocating for your baby. So if your care provider is resistant have them tune into this podcast if they will. If they won't, have them go to Up to Date, which is a very well-recognized medical database that most doctors are familiar with and often use and have access to and read the section on thyroid health in pregnancy because they will see the data on 55% of pregnant women being missed and they will see that there's controversy where a lot of endocrinologists think that pregnant women should be routinely tested. So somehow get them on board And if you cannot get your care provider on board with what you need to advocate for yourself and your baby, I hate to say it, but sometimes it's adios and you have to find somebody new who will really listen. You know, I want to just kind of end with a thought about this. I don't know if if you read the recent uh, situation that happened for Serena Williams. Now let's take a step back. Serena Williams is what, like six foot two or six feet tall probably weighs 180 pounds, if not more, solid muscle, world champion, undisputed, top tennis player. I mean, how many Wimbledons, how many 
whatever those are called, tennis opens and I'm going to say open seasons, has she won, right? This woman is a powerhouse, not to mention a like multimillionaire. And most of us, if we saw her walking down the street, might even recognize her. Serena Williams has a problem where she clots, her blood clots more easily. I don't know what blood clotting problem she has. She may have laden factor five, I don't know, or factor five laden, but she knows she has this problem. She has her baby in the hospital by C-section. By definition, laying in bed after a C-section for anyone increases the risks of developing clots. Serena Williams starts to experience the symptoms that she has when she gets clots, especially clots in her lungs, shortness of breath, anxiety. She tells her nurse. Her nurse tells her, oh, it's just the pain medication or just the this, that, or the other. You're fine, honey. Serena Williams essentially has to stamp her feet and say, no, I know my body. I know when I have blood clots, I need an MRI or a CT or whatever it was that she felt like she needed. And lo and behold, guess what, ladies? She got one. She had blood clots. She could have died had she not been tested and treated in time rapidly. Now, I will add the additional fact that she's an African-American woman and the maternal mortality rate for African-American women and the dismissal rate for African-American women reporting a symptom is higher than for other women. It's similarly, for Latina women, the maternal mortality rate and being dismissed as a patient is high, but it's high for all of us. 5,000 more women a year die in the hospital of a heart attack. They're already in the hospital than men because our symptoms are dismissed and we have to get to the point where we advocate for ourselves. One in eight women is going to have a thyroid problem in her life given the current environmental epidemic and endocrine epidemic and autoimmune epidemics that we're facing. We have to be able to advocate. So what I'm going to do is encourage you, if you haven't already, to read my article called How Being a Good Girl Can Be Hazardous to Your Health or listen to my podcast on that topic. And if you need to get tested and you're having trouble getting tested, write a script and bring it to your doctor's office or your midwife. Bring a friend with you or a, a sister or a family member who will advocate for you, not team up with the doctor or midwife, but who will advocate for you. And really, if you can't get the care you need, please go somewhere that you can because your life may depend on it and your baby's health may depend on it. So with that, I don't want this podcast in any way to leave you feeling frightened. You know, most of our babies are going to be perfectly gorgeously healthy, even if a subtle thyroid problem is missed. But I also don't want you to experience unnecessary or repeated suffering from something that can be very simply checked and very simply treated. If you didn't get a note of the uh, doses for the various supplements, please note that there is a link below this podcast to my blog on this topic where you will find all the doses and all the information written out. Please feel free to print that article if you want to bring it to your midwife or your doctor with you. And if you found this helpful or you think this will be helpful for someone else that you know, please make sure to drop a comment over on iTunes and let them know because that will elevate this podcast so that so many more women get it, feel empowered, and are able to make the changes they need, get the tests they need, and the treatment they need for themselves and their babies. Thank you so much for joining me, and I'll talk with you next week on Natural MD Radio. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Natural MD Radio. 
If you did, please go to avivaram.com and join the conversation about the show on my blog. And while you're there, be sure to sign up for my newsletter. It's free and it's jam-packed with powerful tips to help you take back your health naturally. That's avivaram.com. Take care and see you next time. 